Psalm 91, and I am in a series called Psalm Sunday. I don't think I could work my way through the Psalms without mentioning the 91st Psalm. You know, Psalm 23, Psalm 51, Psalm 91, those are like famous Psalms. They're some of my favorite ones of all time. Every time I read them, I bless, I get something out of them. And this Psalm is about the protective hand of God upon your life. There's no other Psalm like Psalm 91. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. I want to read the first two verses here, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in him I will trust. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we just thank you for your hand upon our lives. We thank you that we can trust you, and you watch out over us, and you take care of us, and Father, I just pray the safety and the favor of the Lord upon your people. I pray that we would hear the word of the Lord this morning and be blessed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. So if you haven't noticed, you know, my wife and I have been doing uh, a fair amount of camping this summer. We don't have the camper with us today. We'll have it out here in a few weeks, but we're in the season of life with kids and we've been camping and going places and do things. And, you know, our camping experiences really almost kicked off last year uh, at a campground called Crystal Lake Campground in Lewistown, Montana. And we were so excited to get there. And when we did, we found out that the Lorax had visited the place and cut down virtually all the trees in the campground. And, uh, you know, we were like, well, it's cold. And then it got windy. And, you know, the wind was so bad that it, like, kept us up the whole night. There was no trees. We were out in the open in a pop-up. And if we hadn't given our kids, you know, some uh, sleeping stuff, <laughs> we, we don't think they would have made it up the night either. So, man, now my wife and I, we camp only in campgrounds with trees. That's how we do it. The, the trees create a protective barrier from the wind. And so if we've got trees at campgrounds, we're pretty happy. And what that reminds me about is the tendency that people have towards safety. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about people. They're, they're prone to, you know go places and do things where they feel safe. They want that in their community. They want that in a home. They want that in a church. They want a safe environment. And this is what this psalm is really about. I'm going to highlight what I would call four pinions of protection this morning. Now, a pinion is like a pin that holds something together, holds something in place. And it's amazing to me that on my camper, you know, the hitch is connected you know, to the trailer, and it's got one pin that runs through there, and it's connected with a little pinion clip, and if that ever goes, you are in trouble going down the road. You know, uh, a pinion is, is like an arm or a branch. It, it's like a wing, and it's kind of like the four wings of the cherub. You know, the cherub angels were the angels that covered the presence of God, and so I, I want to highlight what I would call these four pinions, four wings, and the first one is actually going to deal with God's presence. So let's read Verse number one, as this is what this psalm starts off as, he who dwells in the secret place. Everybody say secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he said, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God, and you I trust. And surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. That's why I like reading from the King James translations. It's poetic. The perilous pestilence he will save you from. 
It says, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will take refuge. Now, the first opinion that I could highlight about the presence of God would have to do with his protective presence. The safety of God's presence is a real thing. Now, this psalm has no author attributed to it. Some speculate it was Moses because Moses wrote the 90th psalm, and there's some similar language phrases that are used. Others speculate that King David wrote it. Whether it was Moses or whether it was David, uh, both of them had extensive experience in dealing in battle, and the need for safety. They were in conflict a lot. Both of them uh, had erected a tabernacle. Moses put one up in the wilderness. David had one that he built in Jerusalem. And so both of them were familiar with the presence of God. And when he talked in this fourth verse about uh, being covered with his feathers and, and under his rings, I'll take refuge, it's thought by scholars to be a reference to those cherub that covered the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Tabernacle. Uh, they had you know, two, two angels with wings facing inward. And it's, Jewish tradition is that the glory of God would come in such a way and create a glow, and there would be a shadow that was cast out beneath those wings, and that David would come and bow himself before that. And there's something about the protective nature of God's presence, his presence that will protect things in your life. It's called a secret place, a hiding place. You know, the presence of God forms uh, sort of like an invisible barrier in your life that protects you from things. It's a little bit like bug spray, uh, mosquito repellent, or if you go, you, uh, thermocells. Ever used a thermocell that keeps the bugs away? And, and it's, it's sort of like this invisible barrier. You know, when I like to go camping, I think my favorite form of bug repellent is the campfire smoke. You know, I've, I've had a joke that my spiritual gift is to have the campfire smoke follow me around wherever I go. <laughs> but the thing about the campfire smoke is that it will get rid of bugs. And you know, that, that's what the presence of God is like, just like that smoke that was in the holy place, that, uh, uh, the, the altar of incense that was burning. It represents God's presence. You know, the presence of God is so powerful in your life. It's called, in this verse, a refuge and a, and a fortress. It's a hiding place. The presence of God is the place that you need to go to when you're in distress, when you're down, when you're discouraged, when you just feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do in a situation. I have found that getting into the secret place of God's presence creates this place of protection for my emotions and my mind. And it might be swirling and going up and down, but in his presence, there's something incredible. He, he likened it here to uh, feathers and wings that were covering him. Beneath your, your, the shadow of your wings, I'll take refuge and and. He talked about the covering of his feathers. You know, the presence of God is impenetrable. I was reading about certain types of birds, like ducks, sea ducks in particular, and they have what's called contour feathers, which are virtually impenetrable. It's where you get the phrase like water off a duck's back is because the water might get on there, but it doesn't get anywhere near them internally. They, they are totally covered. And beneath that contour layer of feathers, there's a down layer which keeps a duck insulated. And birds ha have that amazing ability to have you know, feathers that keep them safe. And that's what he's referring to here. There's a protective place when the enemy will try to come and penetrate you. How many of that's what the devil does? He will try to get his nose in your business. 
He will try to, you know, throw a spear at you, hit you with a dart. He'll try to get in your mind a little bit and try to find a weak place in your armor, a chink, and he'll try to penetrate it. But if you are surrounded with his covers, with his feathers, if you're covered by his feathers, there's an impenetrable barrier that exists right there. Like, that's where no weapon formed against you can prosper. That's where he can't touch you. And it's found in the presence of God, in a personal life and in a church. Man, I've had sometimes in church where it just seems like, you know, if the enemy is moving, it might be through gossip that's creeping through a church. Or sometimes I've even had people show up with wrong agendas. And, and I've just noticed if we'll pray as a church, the presence of God works all things out. It smooths it out. It puts out fires. It, it, it's impenetrable if you've got his presence. You know, the presence of God is one of those things that will protect you from unwise decisions. This is something I love about his presence so much. When I am in his presence, I have insights and ideas and answers for things that really help me make good decisions. In fact, I don't like to make big decisions without really seeking the Lord. And I've seen the same thing in a church. If you've got God's presence in the house of the Lord, it's like that is where the right things happen and wrong things don't happen. It's just a part of his blessing. It's found in his presence. There's something remarkable about his presence. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And what that means is that there's peace, there's unity, there's no battles or strife or hardship in his presence. It's a place of, of, of God's goodness in your life. And, and i got to tell you something, man, I'm grateful for the presence of the Lord in a church like this. That's how you stay out of drama. I mean, for a church, we've got very little drama. If you've got people, you have drama. Can I get a bigger amen on that? <laughs> but you know, when you've got God's presence, it's like, man, Things smooth themselves out. So if you want to experience the protective hand of God in your life, the first thing you got to do is hide yourself in the secret place of God's presence. Get alone with him, spend some time with him, and you'll watch that he moves the battle around you. That's where he fights your battles because you just got to get in his presence. Now, opinion number two about the protective hand of God is still in this fourth verse. He said, I'll cover you with my feathers, under your wings you'll take refuge. And he said, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Here's what we could identify as the shield of faith. Here's a second opinion for you. It, it, it's a shield. His truth, the truth of his word is like forming that shield of faith. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 says. Paul's describing the armor that we should be wearing as Christians. And he said, put up the shield of faith, which is able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. It's a shield of faith. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you've heard the word of God, when you hear it, your faith gets stirred up. And then that's how you know how to put up a protective barrier. It's interesting in Psalm 91, he calls it a shield and a buckler. Because a shield is what soldiers would carry to battle. You know, the big picture, the big, the big shield right there. But a buckler is for individual uses. It's a little round shield. It's something that gives you 360 degree uh, turn uh, around you. you. You can defend yourself so much easier. It's, it's maneuverable. And, and so he, he's identifying the personal protective hand of God. He's identifying the corporate hand of God in a shield and, 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 and a buckler. It, it's personal. It's powerful. It's something you have to have in your life. Now, look what he said in verse 5. He said, you will not be afraid. Oh, I like that. You will not be. If there was a word for the hour we're in, this is the word. You shall not be afraid. Have you ever noticed how the media loves to scare you? 
I mean, that's kind of like what the world lives on today. Everybody is so afraid of, you know, problems and plights and situations in the economy and COVID and, and, and schools. And it, it's, he said, you will not be afraid. There's something about Psalm 91 that just encouraged me. You won't be afraid, he said, of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day. Terror by night. Have you ever woken up maybe feeling, you know, um, a stirring and, and like, you know, you're scared or frustrated, you don't know what to do? I mean, I've had that happen to me. And what I have discerned about the devil is he likes to scare you in weak moments. Like in the night, you little thoughts and ideas about anything and your defenses are down. And, and that's where he likes to kind of come in and give you little thoughts and ideas and lies and whisper things in your head. The terror by night. And then he talked about the arrow that flies by day. This is where you get into battles and warfare, where the enemy is out saying things and he's shooting fiery darts and, and, and that's lies and warfare and accusations and strife that you had in your home. And, and so he said, you just get yourself in the presence of God. You get yourself a shield of faith and you don't have to be afraid of what could come at night or what could come at day. He said, don't be afraid of the pestilence, verse 6, that walks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. And I love verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But he said, it will not come near you. Whenever I read that verse, I'm reminded of a testimony of an evangelist that I heard of. I read his testimony recently named Sujo John. Have you ever heard of Sujo John? Sujo John is a man born in India. And on the morning of September 11, 2001, he was working on the 81st floor of the World Trade Center, the first tower, about ready to fax something off when he heard the building shake beneath him. And word got around because there was a fire that a plane had flown into the building, and they didn't really know, you know what to think of it. They thought it was actually a small commuter plane. But smoke was everywhere, fire was everywhere, and he got himself in his office over to the stairwell, and they made their way down. It was an hour and a half to go down the stairwell. For an hour and a half, he's working his way down. He was thinking of his pregnant wife who was in World Trade Center Tower number two, trying to call her, but the cell phones were down. And when they got out, people were hurriedly going every direction, and they said they wanted him to come out and go to the street. But he thought, I need to get to where my wife is. So instead of getting to the street level, he got up to one of the pavilion places that connected the towers. And he said he, he was out there, and he'd gone no longer than 15, 20, 25, 30 feet when he heard a noise going by him, he thought it was a bomb. And they looked up and realized that the towers were coming down on top of him. He said he was with a group of 10 or 15 people. And in that moment, as he was realizing his own mortality, he said boldness came upon him unlike anything he'd experienced. And he began to tell them, you better call on the name of the Lord. He said, as many as call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's, he said that no one argued with him to his utter amazement. Everybody just began to call on Jesus. He noted that no one called upon Buddha. No one called upon Muhammad or Hadi Krishna. They were calling on the name of the Lord. And as the sound got loud, he threw himself to the ground. And he said, even in his heart, he prayed, God, if it's my time, just hit me with something big so I don't feel it. <laughs> he laid there for a few minutes until it was quiet. At which point he said he realized that the building had come down. He couldn't really see anything, but he realized he was alone. He had no account 
of the 15 or 20 other people that were with him. And now he travels. They were, he, they were all killed. Now he travels and, and teaches, uh, talk, you know, evangelizes about his experience. And he uses this verse, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But he said, it did not come near me. I was calling upon the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, that's real in a tower that's collapsing. That's real in your life. There's something about the protective power of God. I like what he said in verse number 10. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. That is a word for the last season of life we just went in. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the COVID situation. And uh, my friend Bill Turnquist, he gave me a card. I left it in the office, Bill. I'm sorry. But he, he had a card he got from uh, Dick Mills years ago where the guy gave him a word. The Lord put Psalm 91 and verse 10 on his heart. And they wrote that down. And, and Bill said, this is my COVID passport card. <laughs> no plague will come near my dwelling. So if I got to show up to travel, I got my COVID passport right here. <laughs> Now, I think it's a strange time, you know, that we're in. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My kids have been vaccinated from, I'm grateful for polio vaccinations and things like that. I'm just saying that my trust doesn't lie in vaccines. My trust lies in the blood of Jesus. My trust lies in the word of God. My trust lies in the fact he said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. That's what I quote over my children. I, I, I declare over them that great should be the peace of my children no up and formed against them will prosper. I, I pray over my life that God blesses my day, our finances, they're protected. No plague will come near my dwelling. That's what this psalm is about. And I'm just telling you what the Lord wants is all he wants you to do is believe him for it. That's the only thing he asks. He, he just is blessed when you put your trust in him. And, and that's where you quote a verse, you claim that promise for your life. That's when you confess the scriptures over your life, over your children, over your finances, his protective hand upon your life. All God is asking is that you would believe him to take care of. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 11 and verse six. Faith pleases him. And when you say, Lord, I trust you that you're gonna see me through this storm, this season, this situation, the owl strong, I trust you. That's where he's blessed. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. And there's something about a shield of faith that says that God has got me. He's bringing me through valleys. He's bringing me through battles. He's bringing me through COVID. He's bringing me through all kinds of seasons. I trust him. Yeah. Pick up the mighty shield of faith. That's what the Bible says. No plague will come near your dwelling. A thousand may fall at your side, but it's not going to come near you. Only with your eyes you'll look and see what happens. It won't touch you. That's the promises of God. That's opinion of protection. Now, opinion number three. I like this one. Verse 11. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Let me give you a third opinion of protection. And I would highlight this and call this the intervention of angels. It would appear that angels have been given assignment. Matthew 18 Seems to indicate they've been given personal assignment to you, perhaps since the time when you were born as a child. Now, I find it very interesting. This verse is so intriguing to me. Because when Jesus was faced with temptation, on, on the Mount of Temptation by the devil, remember, Satan came to him and he quoted this verse to Jesus. He quoted three things to him. And one of the things he quoted was this verse. The devil came in Matthew 4 and verse 6, and he said, He'll give his angels charge over you. And then he said, they'll 
In their hands, they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. That's what he said. If you jump off the temple, Jesus, if you go off that temple, he said he'll give his angels charge over you. What's interesting is that the devil actually misquoted the verse. You know, the devil knows his Bible. He probably knows it better than you do. He did not quote the verse all the way through. He took it out of context. And what the devil did was he left out this little phrase right here. He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I've always been intrigued by that because it really is a reference to God's faithfulness in your life. It's really a reference to the faithful people who, if you're faithful to God, there will be a constant care of angels that watch over you in your life. How do I know that? Because that's what the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that angels are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister on behalf of people who will inherit salvation. I bet you've probably had encounters with angels and didn't even know it. I can't prove it. I do know one time that I came home and I found that my mom had a fender sticking out of her back window. She was driving an old white Honda Civic a tiny little car. I get home and I find a fender is in the back seat sticking out the window. Someone t- and I thought, mom, what happened? She said, I was driving down Interstate 90 and a semi, a CHS semi full of gasoline was driving and cut in front of me and hit the back end of my car. She said, the fender flew off. The car spun around three times. I ended up in the ditch and there I went on down the road. And she said, people stopped. They they got out, they helped her, they wanted to make sure she was all right. And the, and the guy said, I don't know how you survived that whole thing. That could have killed your little car. She said, I, I don't know. So we put the fender in there and that's what it is. I, I'm willing to bet some angel somewhere was helping out my mom. I don't know. Scripture would seem to indicate that in moments of crisis, angels do intervene. Whether it's a warning that was given to Joseph in a dream, not, not to stay in Israel, but to go to Egypt, or whether it was Peter in a prison, when an angel walked him out the door, whether it was Paul on a Mediterranean cruise that went bad, the angel said, I'm going to make sure that you get to Rome. The intervention of angels. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 13 and verse 2 that some people have entertained angels unaware. That's why you should be hospitable. That's what it says, because you, you don't know. Now, I, I've had moments sometimes like that. You know, my, my, uh, my dad told me a story that when he was in California in the 1970s, he was living in San Francisco. This is when there was a crime wave. You think the crime wave is bad now? It was that way in the 1970s. And he said he was about to get jumped. About to get jumped. He saw four or five men, and he knew that they were coming for him in his wallet. And he decided to kind of brace himself. He put himself in like the, the corner of a building and backed off. And just as he was anticipating it, he said, the biggest, strongest black man you've ever seen came walking by and stopped and looked at all those young men. And they all looked at him and kind of scooted on away. Dad said he, he looked at that man and the man said, you're called to preach, God has called you into the ministry. Did you know that? And he kind of nodded and took it. And, and he was kind of taking it all. And he said the guy walked around the corner and, and you know, he, <laughs> Dad was grateful to have his money and not get beat up. And he looked around the corner and he said it was like the guy was gone. I don't know that he saw an angel. I don't know that. I'm just saying it could be that his protective hand is on your life that way. I remember one time we were living at my Uncle Steve's house and we had a fire in the basement. You know, we're always burning fires down there. So 
they gave me the job of cleaning out the fire, and I was in high school. And so when you're in high school, you don't do things thoroughly. And I just put the ashes in there, and I put a little water on it and took it out to the trash can out there. And about 20 minutes later, on the back door, we got a knock on the door from a man. I remember he was wearing plaid, driving a blue Chevy truck. And he said, uh, hey, uh, you got a fire coming out of that dumpster in the back. That was so strange. So my mom and I ran out there. We were <laughs> seeing a fire, throwing snow on it. We finally got it out. And I just remember, it was like that guy was there and gone. He left. And my mom said, I bet that was an angel. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying sometimes God intervenes and protects you in ways you may never know until you're in eternity. That's what the scriptures teach us. He will give angels charge over you, and you can entertain them without even knowing it. Let me give you another verse I found very interesting about angels. This is from 1 Timothy 5, verse 20 and 21. It says that those who are sinning, you need to rebuke in the presence of all. He's talking to church leaders. Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all. And then Paul said, I, this I charge you before the elect angels that you do this without prejudice. It would appear that there are angels that have been given a particular assignment to expose sin in churches. Like churches have angels that are over them. That's the book of Revelation. They, the angels have been assigned to churches and if sin is found in leadership and it's hidden and it gets exposed, it would appear that maybe angels are at work to expose certain things. They're there for sympathy. They're there for judgment. I don't know how it all works out. I'm just glad that God has all the bases covered. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, he's, he seems to be able to navigate protection in your life, whether it's the presence of God, whether it has to do with your faith, whether it has to do with angels showing up and you don't even know it's happening, he's got his hand upon your life. Now, let me give you opinion number three. Verse number 15. He said, he will call on me and I will answer him. And I will be with him. Everybody say with him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Now, the fourth opinion I would highlight here would have to do with the favor of God. Whenever you read that phrase, that the Lord was with somebody, it's an indication of God's favor. He was with Abraham. He was with Joseph, and he favored him with Potiphar and in the prison. The Lord was with David, and he rose to great fame. The Lord was with King Hezekiah. It says that the Lord walked with Enoch, and he walked with Noah. And those men had favor on their life. It says, I'll be with him in trouble. How many of y'all know trouble does show up in life? And it comes in all sizes and shapes and forms. And sometimes trouble comes suddenly or quickly. Sometimes it's perpetual. It takes a while. I mean, think about the drought that we're in. I was talking to a brother. He said he had never seen it this dry in Montana in his near 70 years. And you know, we need to pray for a month. You remember that one year I prayed that we would have snow at Christmas and then it snowed for like the next six months? Yeah, we need to pray for rain. <laughs> we got to pray that it rains. You know, th like the Lord, but the Lord will be with you in trouble. He'll be with you in, tells us that the wise is in a calamity. He'll be with you in storms. Storms do come in life. It tells us that the wise man built his house upon the rock and the storms could not wash it out. And I think about what Jesus said, man. He said, you're going to have adversity in the world. But he said, I have overcome the world. And here he said, I'll be with you in trouble. And I will deliver you and honor you. He said, I'm going to bring you out of that. 
That's the favor of God. You know, the thing I've learned about trouble and adversity is sometimes you misidentify it. Because when you've got the favor of God in your life, what you need to see adversity as is an opportunity for him to release favor in your life. Now, I saw this happen with Pastor David. You know, he's back there with the kids today. We're grateful for him serving. Man, he's an amazing servant. When we first started the church so all those years ago, he had a job at Best Buy in retail where he said that he was picked on. Uh, they went through a couple different managers. Some of them liked him. Some didn't like him. He had adversity. One guy wanted his job and was trying to frame him for things. And, and, and he was so frustrated. And in, in that moment of frustration, the Lord opened up another door at the job he's currently at. And what helped open up that door was the fact that he knew the same computer system they had. And all that time when he was going through frustrations and problems and trials, Really what was happening was he's being trained so he could be promoted. Sometimes that's what happens with the favor of God. The favor of God will keep you safe until your opportunity arises. I think about Jesus, who walked through the middle of murderous crowds that wanted to stone him, but his time, the Bible says, had not come yet. And the favor of God will keep you in certain moments until the right opportunity takes place. You know, I've got a life insurance policy and, you know, I'm prepared uh, if I was to pass away. But I have no fear of death because God gave me a promise. And until that thing comes to pass, the favor of God is working out in my life. I feel it. I see it everywhere I go. I claim the favor of God. The favor of God will promote you. That's Psalm 75 verse 6. That exaltation and promotion doesn't come from the north or the south or the west. But it says God is the judge. And he raises one up. He sets one down. And when I've seen the favor of God in someone's life, they are marked for promotion. You know, I was thinking back about my time in high school. I was a rebellious kid. But I had a great job at the Laurel Golf Club. And I remember that I was working back there, and they offered me a job in the pro shop. I was the first high school student to ever be hired in the pro shop. And I don't know. Everyone got mad at me because... They just felt like that should be them. But, you know, I discovered about the favor of God. It just isn't fair. Favor isn't fair. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're serving him, if you're faithful to him, the favor of God will be right there. Favor will protect you. It'll promote you. Favor will preserve you. It'll give you length of days and long life. That's what the next verse says. Psalm 91, verse 16. Read it with me. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. Man, that's his favor. The favor of God will help you. It'll give you a long life, length of days. He said it would satisfy you. Man, there's something about the favor of God that is so satisfying in the life of a person. And he said, I'll show you my salvation. You know, what, what happens is, is when you understand salvation and, and you've experienced it in your life, you'll find that's where God reveals himself as faithful to you. And there's something about his salvation that marks, that shows off his, his faithfulness in your life. And I like to pray this verse when I get around people. Is anyone in the room over 65 today? Yeah, if you're over 65, will you stand up? I want to pray over you. I want to pray length of days. Come on, stand up. Don't be afraid. I feel the Lord on me on this one. 65 or older, stand up. Reach a hand out because I want to declare long life and longevity on these men and women. Can we get a witness? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for long life, longevity. I thank you for good years. I thank you that years 
Lord, that used to be trouble will be better in the end. Blessed in the end. We declare it in the name of Jesus. Length of days, long life, goodness, the faithfulness of God. I thank you, Lord, for showing your salvation strong on behalf of these men and women. In Jesus' name. <laughs> amen and amen. But I, I, you know, I feel heat on my body because I'm praying the word of God. And I'm praying for long life. Man, Sister Jean, I feel the Lord is going to keep giving you years. You know that? I know sometimes you feel like you're at the end, but God is going to keep you alive because he's going to answer the prayers that you have been praying. <laughs> I feel it. Mm. Man, he's, man, think about his protective hand upon your life. Pinions of protection. You know, when I was up at that Crystal Lake campground, uh, the, the wind was blowing. And, and that camper that we had, I mean... Everything that was holding it together, the bars, they, they shook. Some of them got bent, but the pins stayed in place. And that's what the presence of God is life. It's, 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 it's the presence and the protective nature of God. And so I don't know what storm you're in. I don't know what you might be facing, what battle that you're faced with, or what, what particular calamity or what trouble you might find yourself in. I do know that the Bible promises to protect his people. And if you want the protective hand of God upon your life, it's as simple sometimes as getting into his presence. Just get yourself over in his presence. Spend time with him on a daily basis. Get familiar with it. Ask him to intervene. Ask him to get involved and show up in your life. That, that's, that's where he works all things out. Some people, you know, when they get stressed, they'll go to TV They'll go to sports. They might go to gambling or other addictions. And I'm just telling you, that is not a place where you can find the protective hand of God upon your life. You find his protective hand when you get in his presence. And that's where peace comes to storms. That's where calamities come to an end. That's where God takes rough places and he makes them smooth. It's his presence. I don't know how he does it. But if you just get in his presence, it's like he, he just takes difficulties and he works them out. That could be why you're so frustrated because you haven't been in his presence and seeking him. You're trying to figure things out in your own strength. And what you need is the presence of God to smooth it all out. Yeah, his protective hand. It could be that you got to pick up your shield of faith. You got to reacquaint yourself with the promises of God. Remember that his word is like uh, a sword in your mouth. So when you confess the promises of God and believe him, and you put up a shield of faith, it's impenetrable. The devil can't touch you. But this is where you got to believe him. Stand fast and believe. How many times do you read that in the Bible? Stand strong and believe in the promises of God, and he will see you through it. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe it's time for somebody to just take a stand in faith. Maybe you've been pushed around too long. It's time for you to plant yourself somewhere, get your shield of faith up, and say, oh, no, I'm not having this anymore in my life, and watch as God intervenes in your life the protective hand of God. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen an angel. I don't know how they operate. I do know that if you are faithful, God will send his spirits to watch out over you. That's what the Bible says. I claim that promise. If you are faithful, the favor of God will come in your life. And it could be that you're facing battles because you've let some things slip. Maybe there's a lack of faithfulness. It could be in your finances. It could be in your relationships. It, it could be... It, you know, in the lifestyle that you've had. Maybe there's just some things that have drifted and they're not where they used to be with God and, and there's a lack of faithfulness and maybe that's why the protection hadn't been there. You know, I heard someone say this. I think it's so true. When, 
when bad things happen, it's almost like God just lifts his hands. It's not like he's, you know, pushing something negative to happen. It's like sometimes he just lifts his, his protective barrier, and that's where the enemy can get in. And I don't know about you, I want to be covered with his wings. I want his feathers to surround me. How many of you want the promise and the protection of the Lord in your life? Can I get a hand? You want to see him protect you in every area? Mm. Head to toe. I want to pray that over you. Hey, if you need protection, if you need it in your life, pray. Yeah, agree with me. Father, we just thank you this morning for the protective nature of your presence. And I pray it would be like a shield that surrounds us everywhere we go, everywhere the soles of our feet will tread, in little things and big things. I pray, Lord, that there'd be total protection over your people. Total protection. Hmm. And this is the funniest thing. As I'm praying here, I keep getting a picture of people's feet walking. And, and it's like, I feel like the Lord wants to protect you in the way that you're going, your footsteps. But when I, when I saw that, I had this impression that someone's foot is uncovered. And there could be a place where the enemy can attack. And I'm not even sure what that totally means. I just have this impression that you got to have your feet covered. I, that could be a word for somebody. Your feet, as they walk, need to be protected. And I just thank you, Lord, for protecting your people from supernatural, or supernaturally, from demonic manifestations, from the attack of the enemy. Mm, I thank you for wisdom and perseverance and guidance. So I just pray that over them. I pray the protective, protective barrier of the Lord upon them. How many of you claim the promises of God? No weapon will form against you shall prosper. Amen. Amen. And you know, I, I read something very interesting in a Korean paper this last week. It was the story of a man from Korea who was adopted by missionaries from America. And he, they adopted him just at the outbreak of the war between North and South Korea. This was in the 1950s. And these couple, a, a husband and his wife, were missionaries in North Korea fleeing as the battle took place. They, they were trying to outrun the soldiers. They could hear shelling behind them. They got a little bit ahead of everything where it got quieter. And as they were making their way across a bridge the woman said stop the car I hear a baby crying and the husband was like I'm not stopping it's the middle of winter and you know we're, we got to get ahead of this she said stop the car they stopped the car and there she heard a baby crying and they looked and they went out and under the bridge what they found was a woman who was fleeing and she'd given birth to a child right there and she knew it was cold, so she took her own clothes off, wrapped them around the baby, and then the mother covered the baby. And when they found her, because it was winter, the mom was dead, but that baby was alive. And these missionary parents had taken their son back to show him the place where they found him. And of course, he was heartbroken. It was, it was a traumatic, loving memory for him. But it reminds me of what Jesus did for you and me. He gave everything so that you and I would have the opportunity to have life. That's what he gave his life for you and me. He paid a great price. And you know he wants to protect you with everything in his being. Isn't that right? The protective nature of the Lord. He can cover you with his blood. If I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus. You can put a hand up. If you're not right with the Lord, if, if you want to walk with him in a in a great, profound way. If you've never experienced his covering of love, 
upon you. I want to pray that over you. Amen. Amen. Man, God is so good in all he does, isn't he? Has he been good to you? Has he protected you? Has he seen you through storms and famines and droughts? That's what he does. Will you stand up with us this morning? Uh, hey, if you believe that uh, Jesus is there for you, you're a candidate for baptism. So we're going to get us a baptism down at the river here. Now, it reminds me of a story. Just bear with me for a moment here. I did hear the story of a man who said, uh, uh, if I had all the money in the world, I'd go down and throw it in the river. If I had all the booze in the world and all the women in the world, I'd go throw them down in the river. And then the song leader got up to sing, and he said, let's open up our song hymns to Psalm 112, Shall We Gather at the River? So <laughs> that's what we're going to go do is gather at the river. <laughs> we're going to get baptized. Uh, if you want to come out and join us, that'll be a great, great time. Uh, and then tonight, we're having Sean Foyt at 6 o'clock. We love you. If you need prayer, a protective hand of God, the altars are open. And, uh, man, I just want to bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, we'll catch you all in a little bit. I'm going to run out and get ready to get baptized. So we'll see you all next week.